are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. But tonight I want to talk about three wise men that are part of this story and how their pursuit of this baby Jesus um, was one for a purpose of worship. Somebody say worship. We see in the text in Matthew's gospel a story of the three wise men that came to worship Jesus with their gifts. And so I want to pick up the reading here in Matthew chapter 2 in uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the same time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Can we read those last three words? We have come to what? We have come to worship him. The reason the three wise men came to Jesus is to worship him. Now, please understand there is uh, an all, also another story going on in verses three through verse uh, uh, number eight, and we see that King Herod was this evil king that was out to uh, really kill this soon coming Messiah. Everybody was anticipation of the soon coming Messiah that would come to earth to be born. And so Herod is having this conversation with the three wise men in our text, and he's asking them, hey, when you find this baby Jesus, why don't you report back to me and tell me where he's at? And he had a plan to take out Jesus. He had a plan to kill Jesus. And uh, so we see, we pick up the reading in verse 9, after this interview, after the interview with King Herod, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with what? They were filled with what? Joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and what? They bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice that they saw this star and they followed it. Someone say they followed it. They followed it. I think it's, it's hard to fully grasp this story because um, these three wise men actually traveled over 800 miles on foot um, from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, to Jerusalem. To They followed this star 800 miles to see baby Jesus, to worship him with their gifts. 800 miles. This was a long journey just to worship him. There was no cars. There was no buses, no public transportation. These three wise men were seeking Jesus. Can I tell you today that wise men still seek him? 
How many wise men and women do I have up in here tonight? We still seek him, and, and no matter what it takes, no matter what the journey is, we're still in pursuit of Jesus. I love this in verse 10. It says that they were overjoyed. Someone say overjoyed. They were overjoyed. Another translation says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Why? Because for centuries they were waiting for the Messiah who would come and who would forgive their sins. They had heard about the stories. They they were in church and they heard about this soon coming Messiah. And and now they seen the star. And now they're walking over 800 miles to travel, to see Jesus, to worship him with their gifts. This wasn't no ordinary joy. This was a big deal to them. They were overjoyed. Someone say overjoyed. They were overjoyed. May I submit this tonight? I think one of the problems that we have with most Christians is that we're underjoyed. We, we, we live lives that are underjoyed when it comes to the things of God. And it makes no sense to me that we have a God who loves us, a God who for, has forgiven us, a God who has given us multiple chance, chances, and, and, and we come into a worship experience and we look defeated, depressed, disgusted, and busted. Come on, somebody. And we have a lot of underjoyed Christians. And we need some Christians that are full of joy. Someone say joy. Jesus on you. Come on now. Jesus in you. However you want to say it. I like Jesus on you. But it's in you. It's in you. And, and, and so if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Amen. Sometimes in a worship time, you wouldn't know that people are happy in here. It's like, are you angry? Are you an angry elf? <laughs> Call me that one more time. Angry elf. Anyway, some of you haven't been watching Christmas movies like me. All-time favorite elf. Yes. Wonderful movie. And, and so, 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 so we live underjoyed lives. And as Jesus followers, we need to show that we are joyful. This is an internal joy. Listen, 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 church. Joy is not based on my external or internal circumstances or emotions but it's based on an eternal fact that no matter what I face or what I encounter, my God has already went before me and he's made a way. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? True maturity in Christianity, true maturity in being a Jesus follower is this, when you can walk through the storm and still have the joy of the Lord on your face. Still have the joy of the Lord coming out of your mouth. See, see, you can go through the storm and the storm not get in you. Huh? I said you can go through the storm and the storm not get in you. You may be in the middle of the storm right now. See, there's people in here, they're in the middle of the hardest storm of their life, but you wouldn't know it because joy is walking with them. Joy is leading them through it. And that's true Christianity when, when you're not affected by these, these external and these internal emotions or circumstances, but you know you have a joy because you have an eternal purpose that your God paid a, a, a high price for your sins, that your eternity is set in heaven. That's joy. That's joy. Happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. But joy is forever when you realize what Jesus has done for you. 
So it doesn't matter how bad life gets. We have the promise of eternity. Amen. It doesn't matter because you can declare that God is working all things together for my good. Even the bad things he's working out for my good. Amen. Don't you dare live an underjoyed life. Don't you dare allow the enemy to steal your joy. Don't you dare allow him to steal your praise and your worship. Some of you, you get so moved by emotions that we're in a time of worship and you can't lift your hands. You can't clap. You can't sing the words of the song because the enemy has stole your joy. You've lived underjoyed life for too long. And God wants to live you. God wants you to walk in an overflow of joy in your life. Amen. These three wise men came and they, they, they said, we, we came to worship him. We came to worship him. And verse 11 says, they opened their treasure and they presented him with gifts. They were so overjoyed to give something to this baby boy, this newborn baby, this soon coming Messiah was sitting right there and they were overjoyed to give them gifts. How many have kids in here? How many have kids? Um, um, how many love the expression on your kids' face when they've worked on something, a gift at school or something for your birthday or something for Mother's Day, Father's Day or Christmas, and they worked on it so hard and or they took money and bought, you know, that stuff that falls apart in two weeks that they give you from their little fair and their little Christmas store at school and, you know, but they're so overjoyed. They wrapped it up and they, they went with their teacher. They said, mommy will like this and daddy will like this and my sister will like, and, and they come and, and they present you with this gift like it's a bazillion dollars to them, right? They're overjoyed to give you a gift, right? This is what these three wise men were doing. They were overjoyed and they said, we're going to come and we're going to worship Jesus with our giving. We're going to come and we're going to worship him with some gifts. We're going to come and we're going to bow down. The Bible says they bowed down before him and they begin to worship him. What did they worship him with? Three things. Number one, gold. Someone say gold. It represented his kingship as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Number two, they worshiped him with frankincense. This represented his priestly uh, his priestly title or his priestly role. And number three, they, they worshiped him with myrrh, which was an embalming fluid. And it was foreshadowing that Jesus was born to one day die. Three important things because gold, frankincense, and myrrh were really the, the currency of those days. So back in those days, they didn't have dollar bills, they didn't have checks, they didn't have debit cards, they didn't have the chip in it or anything, Okay. And so in those days, if you did work for somebody, they'd give you a few, few cattle or a few horses or a few donkeys or they'd trade stuff and they would do work for each other. And, and this was the currency. It was gold. It was frankincense. It was myrrh. And so when the Bible says these, these wise men opened up their treasure, they opened up their bank account. Are you with me? And they presented these gifts that they had been saving for some time at the feet of baby Jesus. They came to worship him, the Bible says. They said, our hearts are so full of joy. We've traveled 800 miles and we came for one purpose. We have brought gifts as an act of worship. We are bringing our gifts as an act of worship because worship gives. Will you say that with me? Worship gives. That's the title of my message tonight. Worship gives gives. Worship gives. 
every opportunity we have to meet in this place, we have an opportunity to give God worship, to give God worship. And there are many different types of worship, and tonight I just want to talk to you about a few of them. You see, when you lift your hands, when you lift your hands as we're, the band is playing, we're lifting our hands, we are giving Jesus praise that he is worthy of. Worship gives. Worship gives. Worship doesn't stand there. Worship gives. Worship says, I'm going to lift my hands because the one who paid the price on that cross is worthy of my hands being lifted. As he lifted his hands on that cross, the least I can do is give him some worship back because he's worthy of it. Worship gives. We give back to the one who saved us. We give back to the one who redeemed us. We give back to the one who gave us another chance. The period of time, 20 minutes, 25 minutes when the band is singing praise and worship is not just pep rally time, is not performance time, is not time for me to figure out what I'm going to say when I get up here. No, it's a time that we worship. It's just as important as hearing the word of God because worship gives. And so we come into this place and we sing songs and we lift our hands and we clap and, we, and some of us, we get a little excited and we shout a little bit. Come on, where are my shouters at? Why? Because God has been so good to us that we want to give something back. We want to be like these three wise men, and we want to give some gifts back to him. You know that your worship is a gift to Jesus. The Bible says it's a sweet-smelling smell unto the nostrils of God. I know it sounds weird, but that's what the Bible says, that God loves your worship. His nostrils get inflamed and fired up when you worship you want to see something real funny I can do with my nose? I, I'm sorry. I just, Rachel, I had to do it, you know. I'm not your normal pastor, but I'm a little weird. But, but the Bible says that your worship, when you lift your hands, when you sing praises to God, when you close your eyes, guess what? It's going up to heaven as a gift unto the Savior. It's a gift. What do you give the Savior of the world? What do you give him? Your life. What do you give back to the baby that was born to die upon a cross? You give him your worship. You give him your hands held high. You give him your praise out of your lips. And it's not dictated on what I'm going through or what I'm facing. It's based on who he is in my life. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a good God. No matter if I'm bad, no matter what I'm going through, God is good. So I'm going to worship him. Because worship gives. Worship gives. Worship gives. We can bring our tithes and our offerings, and we can worship him. You know that your giving is a form of worship? So Many of you are praying about this. I hope you're all praying about this, because this is a type of worship that we can bring. It's almost, in our house, we call it a birthday present for Jesus. What can we give back? Our kids get involved and, and, and we pray over this and the kids give towards it as well. And, and you know, what can we give the birthday boy this year? So when we give, it's a form of worship. You're just not throwing money in a bucket. No, no, no. You're worshiping Jesus. You're worshiping him with your giving so, so that others can hear of this good news of the gospel that you've experienced. Amen. Because worship, worship gives. I love Psalms 100, verse 1 through 4. It's not on the screens. I added it later. But it says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. 
Now, you may not think my singing is joyful, but the Lord does. So don't judge me because I'm not up on the stage singing. Okay? And so, 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 so to your spouse, to your neighbor, when they hear you singing and you're off key, it's okay. It's joyful unto the Lord. So make that joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on. David is talking here in the Psalms. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Sadness or gladness? Gladness. Come on. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come on. He's talking about coming in the house of God. He says, come into his presence with singing. Why do we start our service? Have you ever wondered why we start with music? Well, it's based on a lot of the Psalms that David wrote. He always talked about when you come into the presence of God, when you come into the tabernacle of God, begin singing unto God. Begin clapping your hands. Begin using your voice. It's all in the scripture, right? Begin playing the instruments. Begin making God bigger than your problems. Hmm? Are you making your problems bigger than your God? Are you making your God bigger than your problems? Perspective is everything. Hmm, That was free, not in the notes. Won't take up an extra offering for it. Know that the Lord, he is God. He, we're still in Psalms 100, verse 1 through 4. Jot it down in your notes. Read it later. It's an amazing, amazing uh, uh, chapter here. He is the one who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Did you hear that? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts. What are courts and gates and where are we at? On a basketball court? Are we at the gate of a cat? What is this? Well, back in the day before Jesus was on the scene, there was something called the tabernacle where they would go and they would worship Jesus, where they would go and there would be the holy of holies and there would be the place where they would sprinkle the blood of the lamb for the sins of all of humanity, right? And there were different layers to get into the tabernacle. There were some gates that you would go into, and they would simply have different meanings when you would walk through it. You would walk through the gates, and you would begin to give God thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for who you are in my life. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And then you would enter his courts with praise, the Bible says, right? So that was the next layer before you got to the presence of God, and you would begin to Praise God. And then it says, give thanks and bless his name. Can I tell you that there is still power in the name of Jesus? That every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the name of Jesus? That we as believers have authority to use the name of Jesus? That whatever devil from hell is attacking you, your kids, your marriage, your finances, you need to speak the name of Jesus? No, it needs to be audible out of your mouth. Don't just say it in here. Say it out of your mouth and say there is power over this depression. There is power over this devil that is attacking my kids. In the name of Jesus, it must bow. There's power in that name. We don't exercise that power enough. Uh, you may think I'm crazy, but you got to talk to yourself more. You got to talk. You got to remind yourself of who Jesus is. You got to remind yourself that His name is more powerful than any other name trying to take you out right now. Mm, not in my message, but that'll preach. David, David, what did David know from Psalms 100? David had a secret. David had a secret. David said, "Here, here's how you come into God's house." Here's what, you, here's what I've learned 
over the years, David said, that I come into God's house and I make a joyful noise. I come into God's house and I enter the Lord, enter and I serve the Lord with gladness. And I come into his presence and I sing. Why? Because he is God and he's been good to me. And I enter his, his, his gates with thanksgiving and I enter his courts with praise and I will bless his name. David had a secret. What was his secret? He had experienced the presence of God both in the valley and on the mountaintop. Listen to this. Catch this. He had experienced the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God, both when he did good and when he failed God. Yeah. Watch this. David had experienced that God would never leave him nor forsake him, that God was so good That he said, every time I breach the doors of his house, I got to sing. I got to praise. I got to lift my hands because David said, I was a liar and God found me and picked me up. I was a cheater on my wife, but God found me and picked me up. I was a murderer, but God found me and he picked me up. I was a mess. I was depressed. I was oppressed and I even pinned a suicide note upon the juniper tree sitting there ready to end my life. But my God never left me. So I can't help but to come into his presence with praise. I can't help but to come in and worship him. I can't help to give him some gifts. Your praise, your worship is a gift unto God. How's that working for you? Are you overjoyed when you come into God's house? Are you underjoyed? Did you come ready to worship him? Bow down. Not in a physical sense, but in your heart. Do you bow down in the moment of praise and worship and say, God, you're so good to me. I don't deserve to even be here. I don't deserve to even be in my right mind. The mess I made in my life, you forgave me. You gave me another chance. David had the secret. David had the revelation that you come into God's house ready to praise, ready to worship, ready to give God his gifts. He's wanting some gifts from you. Are you being stingy? Are you being the Grinch? Some of you are very Grinchish. I just made that up. All year long when it comes to worship. And God's saying, hey, don't just come here and occupy space. I need something from you. Bring those gifts of worship to me like the three wise men. Lay them at my feet. Lay him at my feet because I protected you. I saved you so many times that you didn't even know it. David said, I've been in the valley. He said, actually, I've been in the valley with many shadows that looked like death. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you were in the valley and there was shadows of death all around you? Have you ever felt like that was the end for you? Have you ever felt like your marriage was in the valley of the shadow of death? Have you ever felt like that that Goliath was going to take you out? Have you ever felt like that? Because David knew what it felt like. He knew what it felt like to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, God, you were with me in the valley and you were with me on the mountaintop. 
One thing is constant, God. You never change. He said, if I make my bed next to hell, God, you're still going to be there with me. That no matter what I do from murder, from a cheater, from from lying, from, from, from walking in depression and suicide, no matter what happens in my life, your presence is always there. So I need to give you some worship. I need to give you some worship. I can't be shy with my worship anymore. These three wise men came with gifts. Someone say they came with gifts. They came with gifts. Came with gifts. Three gifts. Each and every one of us have been given. That are not just for us. But God gave them to us for the purpose of serving him. And serving others. All three of these gifts. One day we will be given an account for those gifts and we will be rewarded on how we made use of them. Every one of us will stand before that judgment seat and we will give an account on how we use these gifts. Three gifts that everyone has in here. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. I want to just hit three of them and then we'll close up tonight. Time, it represents gold. Doesn't it? It's valuable. It's worth a lot, isn't it? Time is worth money, isn't it? So our time represents gold as the, one of the gifts the three wise men laid at Jesus' feet. And we all have been given the same amount of time, haven't we? I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard this, I just don't have time for God. I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to come to God's house. I think about what God's house means to me, my marriage, and my children, and our family. And it means so much to my kids, and it means so much to my wife, and it means so much to that union as God has put us together. It impacts my whole life. And for me, it can't be an option. It's got to be a priority. God can't be a, a, you know, if I feel like it, yeah, we'll do it. We'll pray. We'll go to church. And, And so... What we do with our time, our talent, and our treasure defines what we value in life, doesn't it? You show me what you're doing with your time, I'll tell you what you value, right? So we all have the same amount of time, don't we? So is the time that you've been given just your time, or is there God time in there? That's the question. The time that you've been given, is it just your time, or is there God time in there? Because one day our time will end. One day you'll be out of time. It'll expire. We, we don't know when that day is. Tomorrow's not promised to no one. But one day your time will end. And God will not say this when that day comes. He will not say this. Well, you worked so hard and you gave your family all these things. So enter in to my kingdom. God will not say, I understand that you, you weren't faithful to raise your kids according to my word, but because you were pretty busy, you had a lot of sports stuff, a lot of things to do, and you know, I understand busyness, you know, so enter in. God, God will not say that. He, he will not say, listen, you made a lot of money and you were a huge success. Your name was big in your community and you, know, you were the, with the who's who of your community, so well done. He won't say that. He won't say, I know that my house wasn't a priority to you and you just, 
you ran out of time to come and worship me. No, no, no. What he's going to say is, he's going to say this, well done, thou good and faithful servant of the time I've given you. Hopefully he's going to say that to you. Hopefully he's going to say that to me. Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. So we've been given time and we have to be faithful to use it. The measure of life, after all, is not about duration, but it's about donation. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your time? How are you spending this gift called time? Because it's very easy to get consumed by the temporary and the unsatisfying things of this world. But it's so fulfilling when we become consumed with a passion for eternity. Because that's the only thing that will last forever. The God time that you make today will one day have eternal benefits. Not just for you, but for your kids, your family, and everyone in your sphere of influence. The God time that you set aside today, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Because God does not want just a Sunday relationship with you or a first Thursday relationship with you. He wants an everyday relationship with you. He wants it. It's not about some religious motion of you coming to church. Religion will never save you, right? It's about a relationship here. And God wants your time. So we can worship God with our time. Someone say, worship gives. The second gift that each and every person in here has is talent. Someone say talent. Talent represents frankincense, which spoke of the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Talent represents your purpose. What is your purpose? Why are you here? Fuel Church is here to help you discover why you're here. We want to help you through next steps discover your purpose because each and every person in here has a purpose. And once you discover your purpose, it changes everything for your life. Changes everything. Someone say it changes everything. Changes everything. There is a parable called the parable of the talents and one guy got five talents or we could say five dollars. One, one guy got two and one guy got one. And the story goes on to say that the man who gave him the talents said, go and you know, take these talents and produce a harvest from these talents, and I'll come back and I'll check on you. And to make a long story short, um, the Bible says that um, he comes to each guy who had the talents, and the guy who had um, five talents, he doubled his talents, and now he had 10. The guy who had two, he doubled them, he had four, but the, one, the guy who had one, He said this, I found a good hiding place and I secured your money here, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The other guys produced and doubled, but the guy with the one talent was fearful and he held on to it and he buried his talent or he buried his purpose. He buried it. And, 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 and the, the man who gave the talents came very irate with him and said, you, you, you squandered my money. You, you could have went and met, doubled this, but because you were fearful, you hid that talent. And how many Christians hide their talent? How many Christians have God-given purpose inside of them waiting to come out, but we're afraid to step out. We're afraid to make a move. We're afraid to say, you know, this is what we 
feel we should do in the church, or this is what we feel we can add to the body of Christ, right? And we hide our talents. Someone say, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Rick Warren said this, if you keep a seed in a sack, it does no good. But if you plant it, it multiplies. For example, when you plant just one watermelon seed, you get a bunch of watermelons with hundreds of seeds in them. In the same way, God multiplies whatever you give to him. Who multiplies it? God does. Step out of fear into faith and watch God multiply your talent. Watch what God will do when you give him your life and say, God, I surrender this to you. I surrender this to you. See, if you don't give God that seed of purpose, if you don't surrender that, it not only impacts you but others. That's why we're so big about you discovering your purpose. Because really, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about a harvest. In Matthew 9, 37, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus is saying, there's a great harvest out there. There's a lot of people who need to to know me as Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people who need hope and grace, but I have a labor problem. I have people who haven't discovered their God-given purpose to help me bring in the harvest. When you discover your purpose, you help to bring in the harvest, right? You're helping bring in the harvest. You're serving at church. You're serving at the outreaches. You're telling others about the most awesome church on planet earth. Come on, somebody. You're helping reach the harvest. You're helping reach them. Jesus said, I got a labor problem. I got people who are fearful, who are hiding their talents, who are hiding their purpose, but I need them to step out because there's a big harvest. 50% of Kokomo is unchurched, has no church affiliation. 50%, there's a big harvest, but Jesus said, we can't reach them until people discover their purpose, until they get on a team and they start serving and they realize this, this Life is bigger than just my house and my job and me going to work and clocking in and clocking out. There's a bigger purpose than this. Amen? So worship gives. Worship gives. And we encourage here, be a contributor, not just a consumer, right? Worship gives. So the third gift that each and every one of us have is called our treasure. Someone say our treasure. This represents myrrh. Myrrh was an embalming spice that one would use back in the days to prepare for one's death. What does this have to do with treasure? Myrrh, an embalming fluid, what does this have to do? Well, listen to this. The death of self is found when money no longer controls, manipulates, or drives us. I'll say that again. The death of self the death of self is, when, is found when money no longer controls, manipulates, or drives us. Hmm? Our treasure. We can worship God with our time. We can worship God with our talent. And the third thing, we can worship God with our treasure. Everyone in here has a treasure. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question is, are you putting your treasure in the right place? Are you putting your treasure in the right place? You see, I've I've learned this. We just came out of a financial giving generosity series. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on this point, but I learned this over the years that the people that get uncomfortable when we talk about giving and money are the ones that don't give. 
because the ones that do give get excited about it because they know what it is. They got the revelation that I worship God with my giving. And I not only worship God when my hands are lifted up. I not only worship God when I come into his courts with praise and I'm singing the words of the song. I not only worship God when I bow my life, my heart to him, but I worship God when I bring my tithe, the offering, my heart for the house offering. That's a form of worship unto God. And I can use that to honor him for all he's done for my life. Amen? It's been said that at the end of our lives, there will be two books which will, will reveal who we have been here on earth. Two books. One is the book of life. The other is our checkbook. That will reveal who we've been here on earth, won't it? Hmm? Thought for all of us. Point I want to tell you tonight is this. Your life is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to him. Did you hear that? Your life is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to him. What are you doing with that? How is your worship right now? How is your worship as a whole? Is your life a worship? Huh? Or or is worship just when you come in here? How's worship going in your car on the way to work? How's worship going when conflict and fights break out in your house? Come on, somebody. How's that going? Because there's so many types of worship. It's not just lifting our hands. That's part of it. It's not singing the song. That's part of it. It's worshiping our God, worshiping with our lives and and giving our lives to Christ and serving others is a form of worship. When we bring our treasure to God's house, it's a form of worship unto God. My prayer to you during this Christmas holiday season is this, that you would be found like the wise men, saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Traveled 800 miles. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus to worship him with my gifts. No gift is too small to Jesus. Come on. You may only be able to lift your hands halfway, lift them halfway. You may only be able to sing part of the words of the song because of what you're facing. Just give him a gift. Give him a gift. Open your mouth and present the gifts unto Jesus. Maybe your, your, your offering's a $5 gift, and that's all you can give. Whatever it is, bring it to Jesus because little is much when it's put in the master's hands. You say, I just got a little talent. I got a little bit of purpose. I think little is much when it's put in the master's hands. I got a little bit of praise. I got a little bit of worship. Bring it to Jesus and watch what he'll do. He's in the business of taking little and multiplying it and turning it into much. That's what he's in the business of doing. He'll take the fish and the five, the, the loaves. He'll take the little boy's lunchbox and he'll multiply it. He'll multiply your worship. He'll multiply your finance. He'll multiply it in ways that you could never imagine. Because church, worship gives. And we're here on this earth to give something back to the Savior. During this Christmas season, may we all have this in our hearts and in our minds that worship gives. Stand with me tonight. Hey, thanks for listening today, and maybe you're out there, and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, 
you've messed up, I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.